You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, July 25th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Investors brace for a pivotal week in the markets. The Fed is expected to hike rates by 75 basis points again. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet are all scheduled to report. And a new warning about monkeypox from the World Health Organization. A heat advisory extended till tonight for parts of the tri-state. And Donald Trump hands to the nation's capital. I'm John Tucker. Those stories straight ahead. I'm John Stanchdale in sports. Pete Alonzo, the big blow for the Mets and win over San Diego. Aaron Judge homered again. The Yankees won in Baltimore. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 5.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about 8 points. Dow futures up 52. NASDAQ futures up 31. And the 10-year Treasury down 15, 30 seconds, yield 2.80%. And the yield on the two-year, 3.00%. Nathan. Karen, we begin with this week's highly anticipated Fed meeting. The decision comes on Wednesday after raising rates Sharply in June, Jay Powell and his colleagues are expected to approve another 75 basis point hike. While the Fed tightens policy to get inflation under control, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she does not see any sign the economy is in a broad recession. We're likely to see some slowing of job creation. Um, but I do I, I don't think that that's a recession. A recession is broad based weakness in the economy. We're not seeing that now. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen made the comments on NBC's Meet the Press, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, despite Yellen's comments, Nathan, investors are skeptical the Fed can tame inflation without a recession. That's according to more than 1,300 people who responded to a Bloomberg MLive Pulse survey. We get more from Bloomberg's Heather Burke. 
over 60% of the respondents in the survey said there's a low or zero probability that the Fed can rein in inflation without causing a recession. And um, about two-thirds of the respondents expect the 10-year Treasury yield to peak over the next nine months at below 3.7%. And most think that the Fed's going to start cutting rates in 2023. So definitely it's a pretty muted outlook going into 2023. Bloomberg's Heather Burke says the majority in the survey say the Fed funds rate will peak at 4% or less. Oh, another note on inflation, Karen. Prices may be close to peaking, but they won't come down quickly. That's according to an analysis by Bloomberg Economics, which thinks inflation is likely to stay above 8% through the end of the year. In fact, the team's model assigns zero probability that inflation will drop below 4% in 2023. The Fed is not the only thing in focus this week, Nathan. It's also a big few days for major tech earnings. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It's a week when we'll hear from names including Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Meta Platforms, among many others. We will also hear from more than 30% of S&P 500 companies. Liz Young is head of investment strategy at SoFi. Earnings season has been mixed, not terrible so far, but we have heard from a lot of companies that they're thinking the following environment is going to be more challenging. So they're preparing themselves for that challenge. Also on deck this week, 3M, Boeing, Chevron, Coca-Cola, GM, Hilton, MasterCard, McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, UPS, and Visa. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. And earnings are also front and center in Europe this week. Let's go live to London, get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. A bumper week for European earnings. Ryanair has posted a profit for the first quarter ahead of estimates. Europe's largest discount airline says it's cautious about bookings, though, beyond the current summer travel boom. Meanwhile, first half profits slumping at Swift Swiss wealth manager Julius Baer. That's as wild market swings spooked clients. And a cut to sales guidance uh, for this year from medical equipment maker Philips. It's been hit by inflationary pressures, supply chain troubles and covid lockdowns in China. Philips, the worst performing share on the Stock 600 today, down more than 10%. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Ewan, thank you. In other news this morning, international concern is growing over monkeypox. The World Health Organization has declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. The lack of urgency and coordination in testing and treatment for the monkeypox virus in many parts of the world has prompted the World Health Organization to sound the alarm. The virus has spread to about 16,000 people in more than 70 countries in just a few months. And White House COVID-19 response coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says monkeypox can be contained. The way we contain monkeypox is we have a very simple, straightforward strategy on this, right, which is uh, make testing widely available. We have done that, and now testing is far more frequent and common. We're going to be releasing hundreds of thousands of more vaccines in the next uh, days and weeks. Dr. Ashish Jha made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation. You can hear the program on Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. We also have a COVID pandemic we're still under, and we've got an update this morning on President Biden's condition as he recovers from about with the virus. Amy Morris has that from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. 
White House physician Kevin O'Connor says President Biden's symptoms are improving significantly, with the most prominent symptom now a sore throat. O'Connor says the 79-year-old, who is vaccinated and double-boosted, is responding to therapy as expected and his other symptoms have diminished considerably. Biden is being treated with Paxlovid. He takes Tylenol and has been using an inhaler two to three times a day. The White House says he's still working as he continues to isolate. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, in corporate news this morning, Apple has announced a rare retail promotion in China. It's offering four days of discounts on its top-tier iPhones and related accessories ahead of the launch of its next-generation devices. The company is historically reluctant to alter pricing. The discounts come as China's economy tries to bounce back from major COVID lockdowns in Shanghai and Beijing. Finally, Karen, Elon Musk is denying he had an affair with Google co-founder Sergey Brin's wife. According to the Wall Street Journal, this alleged affair took place in December. The newspaper says it led Bryn to sell his investments in Musk's companies. Musk says the story is untrue and that he's still friends with Bryn. Bryn filed for divorce in January. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 507 on Wall Street, 82 degrees in Central Park. In an accident already on the way to JFK Airport, westbound Belt Parkway near Cross Bay. Details coming up in traffic. First, John Tucker with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, John. Nathan, historic heat has many people struggling to pay their utility bills. And as Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini tells us, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says people need more help. Senator Schumer says demand for New York's federally funded cooling assistance program is unprecedented. There has been such a big demand for this program, given the heat wave. The applications went up from about 10,000 to 30,000, a 200 percent increase in demand. And Schumer is proposing adding billions of dollars to the budget for the program after it had to stop taking applications because it was so oversubscribed. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Radio. A destructive wildfire near Yosemite National Park has burned out of control through tinder dry forests and has grown into one of California's biggest blazes of the year. It's forcing thousands of residents to flee remote mountain communities. Sheriff Jeremy Breeze says the fight is far from over. There is hot ash, hot trees, still stuff throwing stuff over the line, causing us concerns. And 2,000 firefighters battling the Oak Creek Fire facing tough conditions, including steep terrain, sweltering temperatures, and low humidity. Donald Trump is coming back to Washington as Republican rivals maneuver for a possible primary challenge. Lawmakers probe his culpability for the January 6th insurrection. The former president will deliver a keynote speech yesterday, uh, tomorrow at the America First Agenda Summit, a conservative conference. A live stream of a church service in New York was interrupted Sunday morning by a robbery. Three gun-toting thieves entered the leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries in Brooklyn, demanding valuables from the bishop, Lamar Whitehead. You know, took my watch, took my jewelry, took my bishop's ring, took my wedding band, and then they took my bishop's cross. The bishop says the thieves drove away, drove away in a white Mercedes. New York City is ranking 93rd in the U.S. for public bathrooms per capita. And now there's a bill aimed at opening more public bathrooms. It has the support to pass the city council by the end of September. The effort comes after widespread shutdowns during the early days of the pandemic made it even tougher to find a restroom. The MTA, for instance, shuttered all 76 toilets in the subway system. 
Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, John. Almost 5.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo, the two New York City sluggers. They've got the two most runs batted in the majors, and they'll be facing off tomorrow, Wednesday, a brief subway series at City Field. Yesterday in Baltimore, another home run for Judge. is 37th. He hit three in the series, and in the game where he didn't homer, he had four hits. Jose Trevino had four hits, and Nestor Cortez and the Yanks shut out the Orioles 6-0. Last night, City Field, Mets held scoreless until the sixth inning. At that point, they'd only scored two runs in the series. Alonzo then unloaded, three-run homer. Mets went on to lead the Padres 8-1. to and then held on to win 8-5, and Atlanta lost, so the Mets are a game and a half ahead of the Braves. Among those inducted, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Gil Hodges. Fifty years after his death, he was one of the boys of summer, beloved Brooklyn Dodger first baseman. His daughter, Irene, made his induction speech. When my father slumped in the 1952 World Series, Brooklyn fans loved him. Who goes 0 for 21 and gets a standing ovation? Every time at bat. Mets fans loved him, too. Hodges, of course, the manager of the Miracle Mets in 1969. Cleon Jones, Ed Cranepool, Art Shamsky, Ron Swoboda, and the daughter of the late Tom Seaver were all there in Cooperstown, where David Ortiz, Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, and the late Minnie Minoso and Buck O'Neill were all inducted as well. 3M Golf in Minnesota, Tony Finau trailed by five shots with 11 holes to play. And he won by three. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. Right now, S&P futures are up 10 points. Dow futures up 76. NASDAQ futures are higher by 36 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 16, 30 seconds. Yield 2.80% on Fed Decision Week. We'll take a look at these markets next with Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. we got a heat advisory till 8 p.m. for parts of northern New Jersey. We'll get near 90 today. Mid-80s, less humid tomorrow. Upper 80s on Wednesday. Right now, 82 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning while European shares are little changed. Treasury yields advancing. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about 11 points. Dow futures up 82 and NASDAQ futures up 39. The DAX in Germany is higher, up about two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 17.30 seconds, yield 2.81 percent. The yield on the two years at 3 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up six-tenths percent or 57 cents at $95.28 a barrel. Comex Gold is up a tenth of a percent, up a dollar seventy at seventeen forty seven an ounce. The euro one point oh two four three against the dollar. British pound one point two zero four two and again one thirty six point three nine. And looking at Bitcoin, it's down almost three percent at twenty two thousand fifty dollars. And German business confidence deteriorated to the worst level since the early months of the pandemic on growing concerns that record inflation and limited energy supplies from Russia will throw Europe's biggest economy into a downturn. As a Bloomberg business flash, now here's John Tucker with more on what's going 
going on around the world. John, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The international concern growing over monkeypox. The World Health Organization has declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency. The White House physician says President Joe Biden is improving from his COVID-19 infection and a destructive wildfire near Yosemite National Park burning out of control through Tinder Drive Forest. Thousands of residents have been evacuated. Sports, the Yankees beat the Orioles. The Mets top the Padres. The Red Sox fall to the Blue Jays. Dodgers beat the Giants. And the Nationals beat the Diamondbacks. Global News 24 hours a day on air. And on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg. Okay, John, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we get started on a very important week for investors. Lori Calvacina is with us this morning, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, it's great to speak with you this morning while we all get ready for this Fed decision coming up on Wednesday. The markets have pretty much priced in a 75 basis point rate hike. What do you think the market reaction is going to be uh, from whatever the Fed does decide on Wednesday? Well, well, thanks for having me as always. I think that as always with these events, it's really more about the details um, in terms of the commentary that's made afterwards. And at least at this point in time, it seems like there's pretty much of a consensus in terms of what the Fed is going to do. But I really think it's the forward look. One of the things that you know I continue to talk to investors about is just the whole sensitivity of the Fed to how these policies are reverberating in the economy. So I think if there is any indication that the Fed is sensitive to that issue, I think that's something equity investors would cheer. But, of course, you know, unfortunately, I don't have a crystal ball, so it's hard to say exactly what Powell will say. But I think that sort of understanding the Fed's sensitivity there is something equity investors are always keen to know. Yeah, we sort of have a dueling forecast for what the Fed could do as we get further along in this uh, tightening cycle. We've heard from Morgan Stanley strategists saying that uh, the recession risk is growing and that stocks may have more room to fall here, while J.P. Morgan Chase is saying that maybe inflation's peaked and there could be tailwinds for stocks. What's your view on uh, recession risk going forward? So I'll, I'll tell you that I'm in the camp that agrees that the recession risks have risen and we do need to be vigilant, but I'm an equity strategist, so I care about how equity markets digest this as opposed to making the economic call. And I will tell you that with a 24% drawdown already in the S&P, it's come very, very close, and that's where we were at the low in mid-June. It's come very close to pricing in a typical recession. And if you look at small-cap stocks, they essentially are pricing in a recession. They're already pricing in, for example, a big spike in jobless claims. They're already pricing in a plunge in ISM manufacturing back to trough-like levels. If you just look at the relationship between the performance of those stocks and those economic indicators I mentioned. So I am more interested these days in adding on to rebound trades. We think that defensives are overbought and overvalued at this point in time. Um, and I will just tell you, John, that if you go through the ECFC function um, on Bloomberg, which is something I do quite frequently, there aren't that many economists that are actually calling for an outright recession. The voices calling for the recession are quite loud. But if you look at street uh, consensus economic forecasts, it's really more for something coming close to contraction in the fourth quarter and really moderating to below trend type levels. And I think that's what equities are digesting at this point in time. I know late last week uh, you made a pretty significant call to go overweight now on small cap stocks. Talk a little bit more about that, why uh, you're thinking that we should be heading more toward small caps as opposed to larger ones. Yeah, so 
John, Smellcaps are my first professional child. I spent about seven years exclusively covering this space back in the day, um, including the 08, you know, kind of 09 period, which was quite dicey for the asset class. And, you know, one of the things we know about small caps is they do pr- tend to price in risks quite early. So I mentioned they're already pricing in this big deterioration, certain uh, very sensitive economic indicators. But if you look at the valuations, we're at historic lows and small versus large. Um, you're also, if you look back at mid-June, we were trading around 11 times a forward P.E. multiple in the Russell 2000, and that is typically where the index bottoms out at. If you also look at CFTC positioning data, positioning among asset managers in the futures market for Russell 2000, and futures was well below financial crisis lows, making essentially massively new all-time lows. That is astounding to me. It tells me whatever your view of whether or not recession is coming, this is one area of the market where it has clearly been baked in. And we do know going back over time, recessions are historically fantastic buying opportunities for small caps. They underperform going in. Midway through the recession, you tend to see a big pivot, and they outperform uh, very strongly on the way out. And we think that we're getting closer to that inflection point if we aren't at it already. Got about a minute left here, Lori. We are going to hear from some big names in big tech this week in earnings. What's your expectation there? So I think that this is a bellwether group. Um, I, you know, I do sort of, you know, care more about what classic tech is saying as opposed to the communication services, Internet type names. Um, you know, we're, we very keenly watch the software companies to see what the clues are in the corporate behavior. And I think the corporate reaction um, is going to really tell us how deep sort of this economic carnage economic damage that we may be facing gets. Um, so I think that's really what I'm going to be looking for. But I do think that tech stocks are reasonably valued at this point in time. So let, let's you know, keep a close eye on the commentary. Yeah, we'll be watching for it. Thanks, as always, Lori. Great to have you on with us. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Right now, S&P futures are up 13 points. Dow futures up 98. NASDAQ futures are higher by 51 points. Ten-year treasuries down 15.30 seconds. The yield 2.80%. Yield on the two-year right now, 2.99%. Just ahead, why Treasury Secretary Yellen says she does not see recession in the U.S. economy. And Bloomberg MLive Pulse Survey on where the Fed is going when it comes to inflation. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather heat advisory for parts of northern New Jersey today till 8 p.m. We're all getting up near 90 degrees today. Mid 80s tomorrow, upper 80s by Wednesday. 82 is the current temperature in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with this week's highly anticipated Fed meeting when Chair Jay Powell and his colleagues are expected to once again approve a 75 basis point hike. So far, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she does not believe the U.S. economy is in a broad recession, but inflation is still a concern. Inflation is way too high. The Fed is charged with putting in place policies that will bring inflation down, and I expect them to be successful.
Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen made the comments on NBC's Meet the Press, and you can hear the program Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, despite what Yellen's saying, Karen, investors remain skeptical that the Fed will contain inflation. That's according to more than 1,300 people who took part in a Bloomberg MLive Pulse survey. And according to a new model from Bloomberg Economics, inflation is very likely to stay above 8% through year-end. Well, Nathan, big tech earnings are also in focus on Wall Street. We'll hear from Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Meta this week. They join more than 30% of S&P 500 companies scheduled to report. Well, apart from uh, corporate news this morning, Karen, international concern is growing over monkeypox. The World Health Organization has declared the outbreak a public health emergency, and we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. The lack of urgency and coordination in testing and treatment for the monkeypox virus in many parts of the world has prompted the World Health Organization to sound the alarm. The virus has spread to about 16,000 people in more than 70 countries in just a few months. And White House COVID-19 response coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says monkeypox can be contained. The way we contain monkeypox is we have a very simple, straightforward strategy on this, right, which is uh, make testing widely available. We have done that, and now testing is far more frequent and common. We're going to be releasing hundreds of thousands of more vaccines in the next uh, days and weeks. Dr. Ashish Jha made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation. You can hear the program Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. And we have an update from the Biden administration after the president tested positive for COVID-19 last week. White House physician Kevin O'Connor says President Biden has a sore throat, but his symptoms have improved significantly. Again, futures are higher this morning. S&P futures up 12 points, Dow futures up 89, NASDAQ futures up 45, 10-year Treasury down 15.30 seconds, yield 2.80%. Straight ahead, your latest local headline. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 82 degrees in Central Park. We've got a new accident near LaGuardia Airport on the westbound Grand Central Parkway. Details coming up in traffic. First, John Tucker with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. John. Nathan, the heat is on again. A heat advisory remains in effect for parts of northern New Jersey until tonight. Bob Bloomberg meteorologist Gary Bass tells us relief is in sight. John, a big ridge of high pressure that's been responsible for all our heat and humidity will begin to break down a bit through today. So that's going to be more seasonal weather coming up here for much of this week, with temperatures mainly sitting in the 80s, and the humidity will be on the moderate to high side at times. In Newark, New Jersey, there have been five straight days of hitting 100 degrees. That's the longest stretch on record. At least 2,000 firefighters battling a raging wildfire just west of Yosemite National Park. More than 6,000 residents have been forced from their homes. Extreme drought fueling the flames. Cal Fire Battalion Chief John Hedgie. We're seeing that wind change throughout the day, which really kind of puts the fire front in different areas as we fight the fire. California's governor has declared a state of emergency. Donald Trump will test his waning appeal among Republicans with a visit to the nation's capital. More from Bloomberg's Amy Morris. The former president will deliver a keynote speech tomorrow at the America First Agenda Summit in Washington, a conservative conference. His remarks come on the heels of a House committee hearing that portrayed him standing by indifferently, even vindictively, for hours as a mob of his supporters battled police and chased lawmakers through the halls of the Capitol. Trump is not expected to announce a third run for president in his Washington speech. His former vice president, Mike Pence, will deliver remarks of his own scheduled for today. 
In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. He was instrumental in getting Republican George Pataki elected governor and Al D'Amato elected senator in New York. Former state conservative party chairman Michael Long has died. He was 82. And Pope Francis landed in Canada in what's being called a penitential journey, a journey that to apologize to Canada's indigenous people for the abuse of children in residential schools going back to the 19th century. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, John. on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Mets had lost three in a row, had only scored four runs in those three games. They began the day with their lead over Atlanta. There was once ten and a half games, down to just a half game. The Braves lost, so the Mets knew they were not going to fall out of first, but their bats were quiet for five innings against the Padres' Joe Musgrove, and then in the sixth, maybe their biggest hit of the season. Here's the pitch. Swing a high fly ball, well hit, left center, he's on the way, and there it goes! A three-run homer for Pete Alonso over the Great Wall of Flushing, to the right of the 370 mark, oh, as Pete Alonso with this crowd here at City Field. WCBS Mets tacked on five more runs, led 8-1, to one, then held on, beat San Diego 8-5, they needed Edwin Diaz to close it out, got his 21st save. Mets off today, host the Yankees tomorrow, Yanks in Baltimore, shut out the Orioles, Six nothing. Nestor Cortez, the first six innings. Clark Schmidt, the last three, four hits for Jose Trevino. And another home run for Aaron Judge, his 37th. Houston, right behind the Yanks. They finished a sweep in Seattle. The Mariners started that series riding a 14-game winning streak. The Red Sox lost their fifth in a row, swept at home by Toronto. During the losing streak, the Red Sox allowed 67 runs. They did yesterday get to see one of their all-time greats get inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame. David Ortiz did his speech in both English and Spanish. Tony Oliva and Jim Cott both inducted as well, and three went in posthumously. Minnie Minoso, Buck O'Neill, and Gil Hodges, Brooklyn Dodger and Met fans had been waiting a long time to see the former Brooklyn first baseman and Mets manager make it to Cooperstown. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. A student loan forgiveness program for behavioral health professionals has been started by New York City Health and Hospitals. The program is being funded with an anonymous million-dollar donation. 30000 to $50,000 will be given to professionals who commit three years to the hospital system. New Jersey brewery owners are upset about new rules imposed by the Division of Alcoholic Beverage Control. NJ Biz says they limit the number of events they can host and other restrictions. The regulations are part of a special ruling the ABC issued in 2019, which followed a similar, harsher set of rules from 2018. The Middletown, Connecticut Recycling Department has launched its Refill Not Landfill Coffee Cup Passport Program at Perk on Main. Patrons are being asked to sign a promise to use reusable cups at retailers to reduce waste and maybe even influence others to do the same. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potis. Got on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about how Hollywood isn't releasing as many movies in theaters as it was before the pandemic. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on WHAS in Louisville. Credit card companies have started to see consumers shift to buying lower-cost products. I'm 
Joan Doniger telling WCCO listeners in Minneapolis-St. Paul, General Mills is seeing more of us buy generic cereals because of inflation. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on Ryanair beating expectations with its latest earnings, but warning of a fragile month ahead. I'm Ed Corey on KFBK in Sacramento. I'm reporting Apple will offer a rare iPhone discount for buyers in China. And those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 5.39 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. When a mob stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, Secret Service agents had several key roles, including defending the then-Vice President as protesters threatened his life. But when Congress told the Secret Service's parent agency to preserve all records related to the attack, apparently the message didn't get through. The Secret Service recently reported that most of its agents' texts from that day have been deleted. By law, federal agencies are required to save all such data. Perhaps some naive IT staffers blundered innocently, or maybe something worse was going on. The Department of Homeland Security has reportedly opened a criminal investigation into the matter. Whatever happened, the Secret Service owes Congress and the country some answers. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N go. Futures moving higher. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Some storms possible this afternoon with uh, parts of northern New Jersey under a heat advisory today. We'll get up to near 90 degrees, mid-80s tomorrow, upper 80s Wednesday. Right now, 82 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow in U.S. Stock Index futures on the rise this morning. Well, European stocks are moving higher, too, now. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 14 points. Dow futures up 105. NASDAQ futures up 50. And the DAX in Germany is up three-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds. Yield 2.80 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.99 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.2 percent of $1.10 and $95.70. Nine cents a barrel. Comex gold up a tenth of a percent, up a dollar eighty at seventeen forty-seven ten an ounce. The euro one point oh two four five against the dollar. British pound one point two zero five three, and the yen one thirty six point two seven. And Bitcoin this morning is lower, down three percent at twenty two thousand thirty. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's John Tucker with more on what's going on around the world. John. And Karen, international concern growing over monkeypox. The World Health Organization has declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency. The White House physician says President Joe Biden is improving from his COVID-19 infection. And a destructive wildfire near Yosemite is burning out of control through tinder-dry forests. 
thousands have been evacuated. Sports, Yankees beat the Orioles, Mets beat the Padres, the Red Sox fall to the Blue Jays, Dodgers beat the Giants, and the Nationals win over the Diamondbacks. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, John, thank you. It's uh, 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined now by Sarah Hewen, Managing Director, Head of Europe and America's Research at Standard Chartered Bank, as we look ahead to that all-important rate decision this week from the Federal Reserve. Sarah, good morning. Thanks for being here. Chairman Powell and company have pretty much dialed back expectations that we're going to get more than a 75 basis point hike on Wednesday. What's in your forecast for this week? Yeah, we're expecting 75 basis points. I think that, um, as you say, they've dialed back on 100 basis points, and we're seeing some pretty weak data coming out of the U.S., Um, so I think it's going to be a focus more on what's the tone of the meeting. Um, We think that it's um, we'll probably have some hawkish noise coming from Powell, um, he still needs to have some indication that inflation is, is coming down. Um, so I think the, that there are concerns, growing concerns about the economic outlook, but for the time being, if you're doing a 75 basis point hike, then that suggests that inflation is the, the main driver. Now, of course, we did hear from uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen yesterday trying to talk down some of those concerns about recession in the economy. She says there's no evidence at this point of a broad-based U.S. recession. What are you looking at? We think we will see recession later in the year. It's possible that when we get the GDP data out on Thursday, then they could come in negative. But the first half of the year, obviously, has been a time when The unemployment rate has been very low. It stayed very low. And we have had some indication that households have drawn on savings uh, to maintain spending despite very high inflation. But we think that um, as we carry on through the year, high inflation is becoming increasingly a headwind to spending and that we'll see a deterioration, not just in, I mean, we see very weak consumer confidence now and increasingly very weak business confidence as well. So that combination of factors to us suggests that the second half of the year is going to slow quite markedly. Um, So as I say, the second quarter data are somewhat vulnerable to what's happened to inventories, what's happened to trade. We may still see spending, consumer spending and investment holding up, even if there is a technical negative for the quarter. Are you thinking that the Fed is going to continue hiking aggressively into those signs of weakness? No, we think September that we'll see a slower pace of hiking, so we're expecting 50 basis points in September. That'll take us to 3% on the Fed funds rate, and we think that that's where they will halt because we believe that by September there'll be some, after September, by the fourth quarter, there will be some very clear signs of economic stress and that also, importantly, we'll be seeing clear signs of inflation slowing, both on a sort of annual and on a monthly basis. So um, we're, we, we've, we think the market is still being too aggressive in what's priced in. The market has been dialing back quite quickly on um, the, the, the pace of Fed hiking and the extent to which the Fed will carry on raising rates. Um, but in our view, 3% will be um, the tops for this 
this current cycle and we'll get there in September. How much control can the Fed have over this kind of supply-driven inflation that we're seeing, particularly with the war in Ukraine going on? Is central bank policy effective enough to, to deal with this kind of inflation? It's not. Um, supply, there's, there's nothing that can be done in terms of boosting uh, supply of, of oil, gas, energy, there's, there's little that can be done. Uh, monetary policy is, is not going to change what's happening in terms of trying to get grain out of Ukraine. What it can do, though, is ensure that inflation expectations remain well anchored. So we have had some encouraging signs there that University of Michigan inflation expectations for both one year and three to five years ahead have come down recently. Um, fundamentally, it's a matter of slowing the economy, raising the unemployment rate, taking demand out of the economy such that you don't get these second round effects and inflation spiraling up higher. So it's a pretty um, sort of broad way of of trying to uh, address the inflation situation. Thanks for this, Sarah. Great having you on with us this morning. Sarah Hewen with Standard Chartered Bank. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time for the Bloomberg Law Report. It is brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. OSHA is proposing that a family dollar store in Orlando be fined more than $300,000 over the death of a worker. The employee died shortly after struggling with a shoplifter. Lawyers for Cody and Noxell struck back at a proposed class suit alleging that a cosmetic powder contained an undisclosed PFAS indicator. The attorneys say the lead plaintiff suffered no injury. The Ninth Circuit affirmed that Marriott's website for a California hotel has sufficient disclosures on accessibility. The court refused to revive claims that the information is inadequate. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. Legal teams for Elon Musk and Twitter are preparing for an October trial after Musk lost the first round in a Delaware Chancery Court. Chief Judge Kathleen McCormick indicated that she is going to treat the case just like any other broken deal case involving a public company. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School. Did Chancellor McCormick give any hints about how she views this deal or what's important in the case? She was appropriately pretty guarded about expressing opinions about the underlying merits of the case. There are potentially a few things that do seem to leak out a little bit. She did specifically say that, you know, this looks like it's the type of case where specific performance would be appropriate, that money damages, you know, wouldn't compensate Twitter for all of the pain and harm and lack of closing. This. I think the second thing that it was, is much more implicit that comes out is that now that she has put these parties on, you know, a leash that's only a couple of months long to do all of their expert discovery, to do all of their depositions of the fact witnesses, to do all of their document review and all of their data review, it suggests that the bot counting exercise is going to have to be somewhat more limited than what Team Musk wanted. 
you're not going to be able to, you know, pull out just mountains and mountains and mountains of data and be able to go over it and reach definitive conclusions about it in a couple months' time. So it is at least a little bit suggestive that Chancellor McCormick is probably going to cabin the fishing expedition for bots a little bit and quite possibly concentrate a little bit more on exactly what was Twitter putting in their securities disclosures. They weren't writing about specific numbers of bots. They had a rough estimate, but much of it was just sort of describing how they went about auditing their own system. And and that's the thing that is most testable in terms of whether those disclosures had fraudulent statements in them. Did they actually audit their bot system? Did the process that they have cohere with how they described it in their filing? And so what does this expedited schedule mean for the legal teams here? For both sides, this is now kind of an all-hands-on-deck moment. So I would not be surprising to see delivery trucks with Diet Coke and Red Bull backing up to the law firms that are having to push forward with all kinds of depositions, document review, expert reports, and so forth. But this is not unusual in Delaware, even for large, high-profile cases. There are a lot of these large, high-profile cases that end up taking this fast track to final adjudication. And that's Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Top stories straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.